0: you some uh, a few weeks ago or uh, yeah, a few weeks ago Ben challenged us to to move to different parts of the auditorium and and uh, when you do that you get to be around some different people and it's interesting that any uh, anytime you move to a different part of the building people say welcome to our side of the building and uh, this side is better than that side so it's uh, it's always good to sit on different sides and sit around different folks and we're glad that each of you are here tonight uh, tonight we're going to be talking about a subject that really affects. And that's the idea of suffering. And there's different forms of suffering, we'll notice in Scripture, and we'll look at some of the different word meanings and and what they mean and the different sufferings that come about. Uh, As as we think about suffering, we'll notice that suffering a lot of time comes in the form of tragedy and different things like that, things that affect us physically, uh, things that affect us emotionally, things that happen to our families. But there's also another form of suffering as we think about Scripture. And that's the form of suffering, and we'll look at some of those passages that deal With that. That's the form of suffering that comes to the people of God. Uh, That's another type of suffering that we read about in Scripture. And we we really don't see a lot of that in our nation as of yet. Now, it may be coming, and and there's beginning to be a little bit more. But uh, in Scripture, uh, a lot of the serious suffering that those people went through uh, was at the hands of wicked people uh, that was going against the people of God. There was a young man, a man driving through Texas. He was from New York. He collided with a truck that was carrying a horse. A few months later, he tried to collect damages for his injuries. How can you claim all of these injuries? The insurance company lawyer asked. According to the police report, at the time of the accident, you said you were not hurt. The New Yorker said to the lawyer, he said, Look, I was lying on the road in a lot of pain. And I heard someone say that the horse had a broken leg. The next thing I know, a Texas ranger pulls out his gun and shoots the horse. And then he turns to me and asks, are you okay? <laughs> Suffering comes in different forms, doesn't it? Uh, a newspaper reporter phoned a story in to his editor uh, about an empty truck that rolled down a hill and smashed into a house. The editor was unimpressed and did not want to run the story, uh, to which the reporter said, I'm glad you're taking this so calmly because the truck hit your house. Someone asked C.S. Lewis, why do the righteous suffer? C.S. Lewis said, why not? They're the only ones who can take it. They're the only ones who can take it. I want us to notice some different things about suffering and some different words in Scripture about suffering. First of all, let's look at the Old Testament. I want you to notice on the screen there, uh, in the Old Testament, a lot of times some sufferings were uh, associated with different types of grief. For example, uh, grief that comes from miscarriages. We see that in the book of Exodus. Things that Grief that comes from uh, thirst, Job 21. Hunger, Psalm 34 uh, and Proverbs 19. And also punishment, joy chapter 1 Uh, but generally there are some cases where uh, the word suffering is translated just that for example uh, here's one word a hebrew word from the old testament from the book of job chapter 9 which means sorrow Uh, as in the sorrow that comes from wounds of a broken heart or a broken spirit uh, another word means to abuse, comes from Lamentations chapter 3. And we'll look at uh, the book of Lamentations in just a few minutes. As in the abu- abuse of a foot being crushed or soldiers being cut down. Another word uh, comes from that of calamity, uh, it has the idea of trouble or disaster. And so these are some of the words that in, in the Old Testament that talks about suffering. And some of those uh, means specifically suffering. Uh, and then in the New Testament, uh, it also is associated, those, many of those words on suffering, with some sort of trauma. For example, suffering of violence, as in Matthew chapter 11. Suffering of shame, as in Acts chapter 5. Suffering of wrong in Acts chapter 7, and suffering of loss, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, or persecution found in Galatians chapter 5, or need, Philippians chapter 4, or tribulation in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, or that of reproach that Timothy uh, dealt with, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Also, Timothy dealt with trouble, 2 Timothy chapter 2, or even affliction that's talked about in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. But just like in the Old Testament, uh, there are a few words that predominantly in the New Testament that predominantly mean suffering. Now those Greek words uh, are noticed on the screen. The first one means to experience something good or bad, although it originally referred to experiencing something bad, as Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, Then a a follow-up or a connection to that word means an experience that results in painful thoughts Or feelings. Uh, Paul speaks of that in Romans chapter 1 and verse 26, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 5. Uh, And then another word, another Greek word found in the New Testament, means a suffering that comes from some kind of external stimulus, Uh, like Paul speaks about in Romans chapter 8 and verse 18. And then the fourth Greek word that deals with suffering means to be pressed by something. Uh, Its noun form is mostly translated tribulation, affliction, or trouble. You see, those words specifically speaking in suffering uh, for the people suffering for doing good. The people suffering for following Jesus Christ. Now, let's turn to a few passages of Scripture, if you will. Turn to the Old Testament book of Psalm. Psalm chapter 13. Psalm chapter 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemy say I have prevailed against him. Lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because He has dealt bountifully with me. You know, David, he dealt with suffering. Some of his suffering came from his own hand and his own heart for when he turned from God. But others came because he followed God. And David writes some beautiful psalms. Many of the Psalms can be summarized in, with three different terms. Problems, prayer, and praise. Are you having problems? Pray about those problems. And when you pray about those problems, get ready to be amazed and praise God for His help. And notice those three things here in Psalm chapter 13. First of all, we see problems. Problems. David's suffering alerts us to what might, he, what might experience, uh, what we might experience when we suffer. Uh, for example, he might wonder, and we might wonder, if our problems will ever go away. You ever wonder that? Will this ever be finished? Will I ever be on the other side of the suffering David did? Verse 1. Uh, we might think that God doesn't care and he's keeping his presence. David did. How long will you hide your face from me? Oh Lord, he asked. We might repeatedly throw a pity party uh, for ourselves. David says, how long shall shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? We might even feel abused by life. David did. How long will my enemy be exalted over me? You know, life many times isn't fair, is it? As we grow up, we we tell our parents when something happens, we say, that's not fair. And the reality is that we're right. There are some things in life that aren't fair. And many times suffering is not fair. And David wondered those things. But notice also David prayed. Uh, During his suffering, we can learn from David that he prayed. Verses 3 and 4, he asked God to look at his situation and listen and send help. He reminds us in verse 5 to focus on God, uh, to focus on God's mercy instead of our own feelings or our own misery. Also in verse 5 and 6, we find David giving praise to God. In the midst of his suffering, he uh, almost sings this song, he gives this praise. To God, But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because He has dealt bountifully with me. In the midst of His suffering, David praised. Uh, David teaches us in praise to look ahead with anticipation of God making things better for us. David looked ahead by looking at God. David reminds us to look up with appreciation for all that God has already done for us. God has blessed us tremendously. Even in the midst of suffering, we can find blessing. David teaches us to look back in conviction, believing that God will care and continue with us through all of our suffering. Turn over to the book of Lamentation, chapter 3. Lamentation, chapter three. Uh, this is a, a funeral hymn, if you will, to Jerusalem and Judah. And as we look at this, uh, ver- this chapter three of Lamentation, we can see some of the suffering that, uh, that Jeremiah experiences. Let's read verses, beginning in verse 46 to the end of the chapter. Lamentations chapter 3, Old Testament book of Lamentations chapter 3, beginning in verse 46. All our enemies have opened their mouths against us. Fear and a snare have come upon us. Desolation and destruction. My eyes overflow with rivers of water. What is he doing? He's shedding tears. For the destruction of the daughter of my people. My eyes flow and do not cease without interruption till the lord from heaven looks down and sees my eyes bring suffering to my soul because of all the daughters of my city my enemies without cause hunted me down like a bird they silenced my life in the pit and threw stones at me the waters flowed over my head i said i am cut off i called on your name O lord from the lowest pit you have heard my voice. Do not hide your ear. For my sighing for, uh, from my cry for help. You drew near on the day I called on you and said, do not fear. O Lord, you have pleaded the case for my soul. You have redeemed my life. O Lord, you have seen how I am wronged. Judge my case. You have seen all their vengeance, all their schemes against me. You have heard their reproach, O Lord, all their schemes against me, the lips of my enemies, and their whisperings against me all day. Look at their sitting down and their rising up. I am their taunting song. Repay them, O Lord, according to the work of their hands. Give them a veiled heart. Your curse be upon them. In your anger, pursue and destroy them from under the heavens of the Lord. Some things that we notice here about Jeremiah. Is what, first of all, we notice uh, the mistreatment that he experiences. Did you, did you remember seeing his enemies harass him? His enemies haunted Him? His enemies hunted him down and his enemies hurled stones at him. He suffered. Jeremiah suffered. He suffered for being a man of God. Uh, Second, we can notice how all of this makes Jeremiah feel. He he shares some of his feelings. Verses 47 and 57, he has fears. And verses 48 through 51 and verse uh, 54, he shed tears. He said, I'm going to shed tears until the Lord takes care of this. And then another thing that we can learn from Jeremiah here, to notice how he handles his feelings in the midst of suffering. He prays about the suffering. He prays about the things that he's going through. He lifts those things up to the Lord. And notice some of the things he says, verses 55 through 57. He makes these requests. Do not hide your ear from my sighing. Verses 58 through 60, he says, I'm wronged, judge my case. And in verses 61 through 66, he says, You've heard their reproach. Pursue and destroy them. Does that sound familiar of the times that we're going through suffering? When someone hurts us, what's the reality? It hurts, right? When someone hurts us, it hurts. And, and we want to we, we tell God about it. We want God to know about it. And we want God to help Remember the words of David in Psalm verse 6, chapter 6 and verse 6. I am weary with my groaning all night. I make my bed swim. David, the man after God's own heart, he spent time in, in, in tears. I drenched my couch with my tears. Do you remember how Jesus felt in the Garden of Gethsemane? Now, the book of Luke tells us that as Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, and He says, Father, let this cup pass from me if it be your will. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And the book of Luke records that as He's praying, He's praying so earnestly that His sweat was as if it were great drops of blood. Jesus understands suffering. And we need to remember, as I heard someone say yesterday, if you haven't suffered... They said, live another birthday or two. Because the reality is trials and tribulations, they will come in this life. Whether it be of us suffering for being a Christian or whether it be suffering just the things that happen in life. Job says, because we are born in trouble. Troubles will come. Suffering will happen. And we can notice from some of these passages of Scripture how to deal with those types of sufferings. I came across these quotes about sufferings. Life by the yard is hard, but anything is a cinch, inch by inch. In other words, he's saying, listen, sufferings are difficult, but if we take it one moment at a time, one day at a time, one step at a time, then that brings help. Uh, someone else said rough paths often lead to desirable destinations. And they suggest to be grateful for some of the, uh, some of the things that, that we do go through. Some of the sufferings that we do have. Because they make us better. When we do like Jeremiah and, and David and we pour our heart out to the Lord, even in our tears, the Lord hears. And the Lord knows. And the Lord's there to help. Someone else said, tears are safety valves that protect the heart when too much pressure is laid on it. God knows when we suffer. Jesus walked this earth. John chapter 1 and verse 14 tells us, He made His dwelling among us. Jesus dealt with suffering. Jesus dealt with suffering for being the Son of God. Jesus dealt with suffering uh, as He lost people that He cared about. John eleven thirty five. 35. He wept because he had compassion over his friends and the loss of a loved one. Turn your Bibles, if you will, to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 4. 1 Peter, chapter 4. It's interesting that in this word translated suffering, there's more found in the book of 1 Peter than anywhere else. 1 Peter, chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, and I'll meet you there in just a minute. If you look through the book of 1 Peter, and if you go through those verses, and if you were to underline every verse that had suffering, suffer, or something to do with suffering, you would find somewhere around about 17 times in that book alone, speaking about suffering. And as we look at this book of 1 Peter, we can, think about, we can think about the people that this letter was written to. This letter was written to people who were suffering persecution. And Peter helps them. And as a result of their persecution, they're scattered into what we know as modern-day Turkey, some thousands of miles away from their home. And in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. Verse 16 can challenge us. It can strengthen us. Because it would be the key verse of this whole book. Look at what Peter writes. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. In other words, let's, let's, not, let's, let's not suffer uh, like people of the world do because they're murderers, they're evildoers, they're busybodies, always in other people's business. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. That's deep, isn't it? To glorify God when we suffer for being a Christian. Paul counted it all joy that he had the opportunity to suffer for being a Christian. Because he would say, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. That was Paul's attitude. Paul wanted to work for the Lord while he was here. But Paul knew that that brought some suffering. Not only just the uh, sufferings that come as a part of life, but suffering because he was speaking for Christ. And he said, I'm a Christian. For to me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Paul knew. Paul knew what was after death. Paul looked forward to heaven. Someone has outlined uh, the book of First Peter and they, they mention some things like this. First of all, we find in chapter 1, we find salvation. Salvation, the salvation that we hope in, in Jesus Christ, that, that in heaven, our salvation through Jesus Christ and our home in heaven, guess what? That it is better. It is far better than anything that we can suffer in this life, whether it's tragedy or the suffering that comes as a part of life, or whether it's the suffering and persecution of being a Christian. That's what the book of Revelation reminds those people about. Hang on. Hang on because heaven is far better than anything on the face of this earth. In chapters 2 and 3, we see uh, someone has outlined this as being a sample or example. Jesus suffered even though he was special to God. Jesus suffered. And though we are special to God, Peter would say we are a royal priesthood, his own special people. We are special to God, yet we too will suffer. But Jesus gives an example. Paul gives us an example. Peter, the other New Testament writers, gives us an example. The other people in the New Testament church gives us an examples of how to keep on hanging on and keep on being faithful. And then chapters 4 and 5, look at the second coming. Jesus is coming again. Jesus will judge. Jesus will return, John 14, to take us where He is, there we may be also. Many mansions. Revelation paints the picture of heaven. And John tries to describe it in a way that we might can understand it and I believe that it will be far better. And Peter says, hang on. Hang on. Because heaven will be worth it all. Turn your will in your Bibles to the Old Testament book of Job. Old Testament book of Job. We're almost done, and I want you to I want you to think about what's happening to Job here and how he deals with this. In Job chapter one, and we all know about the suffering of Job. Job suffered greatly. And I want us to notice some of the things Job does, even when people get down on Job. And notice who it is that's attacking Job. Job is suffering some of the things that you suffer in life, but he's suffering it all at one time at the hands of Satan. Uh, Job chapter 1, verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. The Lord said to Satan, This is interesting to me. Have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? Job is about to go through suffering and God says to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? Have you considered what kind of person he is? And Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him and around his household and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will surely curse you to your face. Take this hedge away from him, Lord, and he's going to curse you to his face. And the Lord said, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and began afflicting Satan, taking away his children, taking away his possessions, his, his servants and his possessions and his livestock and his home. All this is happening. And in verse 20 of chapter 1, the Bible says, Then Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head. Job was in mourning because he had lost everything. And he fell to the ground and he worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this Job did not sin." nor charge God with wrong. Again, there was a day, chapter 2, when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come from? So Satan answered the Lord, saying, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. And he still holds fast to his integrity, although you have incited me against him to destroy him without cause. So Satan answered the Lord and said... Skin for skin. Uh, yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand, but spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And the Lord, and he took for himself a pot shared with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of ashes. He's mourning, and he has these boils, and now he's scraping those. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? In all this Job did not sin with his lips." Now, here's an interesting situation as it deals with suffering. Job's own spouse said, Look at all this is happening, and you still believe in God, and you still trust God, and you still are giving God worship and praise. Why don't you curse God and die? And Job says, no matter what my spouse does, I'm going to praise the Lord. No matter what my spouse says or does, I am going to praise the Lord. You see, there's some reality there. whether we want to believe it or not, we don't even control our spouses. And Job says, no matter what my spouse does, in the midst of suffering, I'm going to accept what God gives. Now, remember, later you read through the book of Job, there are some times Job is wondering why. Why this is happening. He doesn't understand. He doesn't have the whole view like we do. And we know he's suffering because of Satan. And he's suffering because he's a blameless and upright man. And he fears God and shuns evil. And Peter would say, when we suffer because of Christ, let us count it joy. Let us count it as worthy to be considered worthy to suffer for the sake of Christ. Well, our time is about up, but I want you to hear what James says. James chapter 1, you remember verses 2 2 through 8. James says something that is very interesting and it's a little bit hard to, to comprehend. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, I don't know about you, we've read about these trials of Job. We've read about some of these other trials of some of these other people of God. And trials, even in Scripture, do not seem very joyful. And if you've suffered through trials in this life already, you know they're not very joyful. But James, I believe, says, listen, it's not about being happy. But through these trials, and you're relying on God, And God bringing you through, count that peace and joy that only comes from God. The peace that passes understanding. Joy that passes understanding. Knowing this, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Produces patience. Produces growth produces reliance on god second corinthians chapter 4 verses 6 through 18 paul gives us some words of encouragement he says therefore we do not lose heart paul dealt with suffering therefore we do not lose heart even though our outward man is perishing yet the inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction paul calls it a light affliction When we go about our daily lives, let us remember as we look at all the things uh, that we see on television, that we that we experience in life, all the things that we can go out here and see, let us remember what Peter says, seeing that all these things will be dissolved. What manner of persons ought we to be in holy conduct? Looking forward and hastening, in other words, longing for, looking for and longing for that day when we see Jesus return to take us home. Notice in Psalm fifty seven the psalmist says, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me for my soul trust in you, and in the shadow of your wings I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. Parnell Bailey visited an orange grove where an irrigation pump had gone out. And this season was unusually dry and the trees were beginning to show that and they they were beginning to uh, to die for lack of water. The man giving Bailey a tour took him over to his orchard and he said which he told him that the irrigation was used sparingly, he said, these trees could go without rain for another two weeks. He said, you see, when these trees were young, I frequently kept water from them. This hardship caused their roots to grow deeper in the soil in search of moisture. Now that we're in this drought, my trees are the deepest rooted trees in the area. While others are being scorched by the sun, these are finding moisture with greater depth. What an illustration. When we realize, struggles come. And I want to admit to you, it's easy easy to stand up and present a lesson like this. But it is difficult when you're going through those trials. And I hope that the the people that we looked at, David, a man after God's own heart, he shed tears. It wasn't easy. Job and losing everything, he mourned and he shed tears. It wasn't easy. But he kept praising the Lord. Peter and Paul, they suffered. And it wasn't easy. Jesus, He suffered. He said, let this cup pass from Me. But Father God, not My will be done. Your will be done. All of these individuals I believed, belief through faith. Through their tears, through their suffering, they dug deep in God, faith in Him, trust in Him and His Word. And they looked forward. A famous preacher tells about a Christian woman who was always bright, cheerful, and optimistic, even though she was confined to her room because of an illness. She lived in an attic apartment on the fifth floor of an old abandoned building. A friend decided her to visit her one day, and she took along another woman. Uh, this lady was uh, someone of great wealth. And since there was no elevator, the two ladies, they, they began embarking climbing up the stairs, and they got to the second floor. And the well-to-do woman, she said, What a dark and filthy place, to which her friend simply said, It's brighter. It's better higher up. When they arrived to the third landing, she remarked again, things look even worse here. To which again her friend said, it's better higher up. The two women finally reached that fifth floor level. And they found their bedridden friend, this woman of God, there in the bed. A smile on her face that radiated the joy that she had in her heart. And even though the room was clean and there were flowers in the windowsill and it, and it was kept and put together, the wealthy visitor could not get over how stark and lowly this place was. She blurted out, It must be very difficult for you to be here like this. Without a moment's hesitation, the lady in the bed responded, It's better higher up in the midst of her suffering she had a better perspective and in the words of one of my great friends from Decatur, Alabama he would always say the best is yet to come if we live by faith sufferings will come sufferings are a natural part of life And sometimes those sufferings mean we're living for God. But if we live by faith, the best is yet to come. Amen? Let us be a people that go and live like this. Because I believe that even when we're doing things good, we can praise God and that can draw people to the Lord. But I think sometimes... Even through our sufferings, even through our trials and our tribulations, whatever they might be, when people see the faith that we place in God, they too can be touched and drawn closer, drawn toward God, and possibly connected with God through us. Maybe you're here tonight, maybe you're going through some trials, maybe you're suffering some things of life. Job prayed, David prayed, the apostles, they prayed. Maybe tonight you need prayer. The Bible tells us to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You don't have to do it on your own. You have your church family, your Christian family, and you have God. If you're here tonight and you're in that case, please let us help you. Please let us pray with you. Maybe you've not even given your life to the Lord. What a better time than start because the Bible tells us our life is but a vapor. We don't know what will happen the next moment. We won't know what happened what will happen tomorrow. Won't it be great no matter what happens? That you've given your life to the Lord through faith and obedience, being buried with Him, and you can go on your way rejoicing, knowing, like Paul said, whatever happens to me, whether I get to live here, that's Christ. But if I die, that's gain. Because that means heaven. If you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, don't wait another moment. Let us assist you any way we can as together we stand and sing. Have you a heart that's sweet.